Now, gentlemen. The defendant is not guilty. But somebody in this courtroom is. Unmitigated temerity. What's up, Gatsby heads? Welcome back to the OK Gatsby Season 3 colon to chill a mockingbird. Hey. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Wow, we are really we are really syncing up. Yeah. We have really gotten there at this point. Well, thanks for making the journey with us. Yeah. Uh, just a f- just a few chapters left in the book and yeah. boy, are we ready to go. <laughs> hitting a stride. You know here. what? We're going to just do this book again. We're going to go back to the beginning Yeah. So that we <laughs> oh my god. Now hey, with this energy? Exactly. You know what? Those those they're, they're trash. Don't listen to them. Yeah, we're going to go back and re-record all of them. We're going to George Lucas those podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Digitally edit them. Yeah, let's just drop back in smarter stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've had time to think about it. Uh, <laughs> Instead of me being like, oh, uh, maybe racism? I'll maybe be like, <laughs> prejudice? Yeah, it'll be like something really, really smart. To kill a blue jay? <laughs> Is good. <laughs> no, there's that time I noticed that they they said they're gonna kill a mockingbird in the book, and I was like, "See, oh, <laughs> Ooh, you see, like the that title seems important." <laughs> <laughs> mockingbird. I'm always afraid Where someone's gonna see me on that the, before. See on the train, underlining to kill a mockingbird in the book to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> like, look at this idiot. Uh, this is stupid. He's learning. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look at him go. He's gonna pass the ninth grade. He'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, if you could just stop playing video games. I know. Yeah, so we're on chapter 27, 28. Rift minute's over. <laughs> I hope you fast forwarded through Rift Minute and got <laughs> down to the business. It's business minute now. <laughs> I think um, it'll be church minute. Yes, of course. We forgot about church minute. We usually do that off mic. Yeah. A couple of ex Catholics. Um, all right, so. So it starts off just real. It's real easy uh, start to it. Things did settle down after a fashion as Atticus said they would. Atticus is so wise. He's always like, when the seasons change, no one will give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will be over. You'll he's, see all these these dumb idiots. <laughs> he's got a bird's eye view of, yeah, of the kind of, of this kind of stuff. He sees it from eternity. Yeah. By the middle of October, only two small things out of the ordinary happened to two Maycomb citizens. So the first thing is that Bob Yule got a job and then he lost it. Um, <laughs> he was the only man I ever heard of who was fired from the WPA for laziness. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's almost a, that's a roast joke, straight yes, up. She's straight just roasting. Bob, Bob Yule's the first guy to <laughs> lose a job from the WPA. It's just a, just a thing to keep people not starving. Yes, you could hear Bob hoping like he got fired from the WPA for laziness. <laughs> 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 They're all very lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is just like a give every man a job organization, and they're like, "Mr. Eagle, you cannot work here." <laughs> you, yeah, you are so lazy and fat. Um, yeah, she she just like tears him apart with that dripping like New York adult sar- art sarcasm. Yes, yes, we fully adult scout narrating. Good point. Yeah, I suppose his brief burst of fame brought on a briefer burst of industry, but his job lasted only as long as his notoriety. Mr. Yule found himself as forgotten as Tom Robinson, 
Thereafter, he resumed his regular weekly appearances at the welfare office for his check and received it with no grace amid obscure mutterings of the bastards who thought they ran this town when permit an honest man to make a living. <laughs> right, so now, now he has a reason to complain is really all this has done for him. Yeah, now he's like, ah, the, the people in charge have screwed me again. <laughs> and it's well put that Mr. Yule found himself as forgotten as Tom Robinson. So once more, Harper Lee is reminding us that Tom Robinson, the whole affair has been kind of blown over yes. by Maycomb. Only um, Mr. Yule is like, Causing all the like, he's the only he's the only figure that's still around and causing trouble. Right. So, n- so none of the good things that could have resulted have kind of resulted from the Tom Robinson case. Yeah. And even sadly. for Mr. Yu, like, n- like he didn't get fame or a job like he thought he was going to. It was just yeah. like, oh, a guy died and I got nothing from it. Is back to status quo. Yeah. And his the Yule status quo is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they they no make no bones about it. Like there is sympathy sometimes for them. That like yeah. yeah, their life is very bad. Yeah. Not good. Uh, I do like this line. Uh, Ruth Jones, the welfare lady, said Mr. Yule openly accused Atticus of getting his job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a poorly, yeah, it's not a good way to put it, right? Because, like, Atticus didn't go working for yeah. the WPA. The accusation is that Atticus is like, all right, I'm going to quit my job as a lawyer <laughs> and go work, yeah. build public works. <laughs> Well, it's more like he didn't ever do that, right? Yeah. So it's just like, it's just poorly worded, like, Atticus tried to take his job away from him. Yeah. Getting, getting his job. She was upset enough to walk down to Atticus's office and tell him about it. Atticus told Miss Ruth not to fret that if Bob Ewell wanted to discuss Atticus's getting his job, he knew the way to the office. Right. Classic Atticus move. It's like, he knows his way down here if he wants to speak with me. <laughs> if he want to holler, <laughs> <laughs> I will kick his ass. <laughs> he can holler till the cows come home, but my office remains where is that. Yeah. He knows where I reside. Yeah. <laughs> and if he shall choose... To make his presence known to me, at that point, we will have our confrontation. <laughs> Tips, glasses, cock's gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, so Atticus is right where, he's, where we left him, attitudinally. Uh, we get Judge Taylor's Sunday night routine, which I love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was not a church-going man. His wife was a church-going ma- lady. So uh, <laughs> he goes, he is able to just kind of chill at his house on Sunday nights. And read. It's got. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer stops going to church. Yeah. <laughs> Loving it. Yeah. Uh, just like oh, hanging out, reading Playboys, lost in fruity metaphors and flor- <laughs> and florid yeah, language. He's reading the writings of Bob Taylor. Uh, I I didn't look up that. I'm sure he's no kin, but the judge would have been proud to claim it. A good writer. Um. One Sunday night, lost in fruity metaphors and yeah. floral diction. So like Harper Lee is taking a shot. At <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Bob Taylor, um, uh, and it's it's funny to imagine this judge reading this like very flowery book. <laughs> yeah, he's like, ah, finally some uh, peace and quiet. <laughs> finally, the lady's away, so I can read this. I like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He looks both ways. His wife's gone. He reaches under his mattress and pulls out a Bob <laughs> Taylor book. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Explore explore the metaphor of the river for me. <laughs> These metaphors. I like uh, how uh, he's hanging out with his dog. His dog's name is Ann Taylor. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that they, was funny that, then that, or not. That, that, that all the dogs have last names. Come on. <laughs> it's so funny. Please call him Master Ann Taylor. Call like, her Mrs. Ann Taylor. Yeah. His fat, nondescript dog. <laughs> yeah. Has it named Ann. Ann Taylor. Ann Taylor Loft. Yeah. So the business happens because he is uh, appeared to be in an empty home. How Taylor's alone. home is empty. And then he heard some scratching, and he thought, like, hey, Ann Taylor, why are you scratching? 
Um, then he realized he was speaking to an empty room. Dog's not there. So something's weird. Kind of a horror movie mode. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, it must be the dog. It's not the dog. The scratchy noise was coming from the near the rear of the house. Judge Taylor clumped to the back porch to let Anne out and found the screen door swinging open. A shadow in the corner of the house caught his eye, and that was all he saw of his visitor. Yeah. So someone came in and then lost their courage and ran away. Right. They thought, they thought he wasn't home, but he was. So he goes back to reading, and this time he's got a shotgun on his lap. <laughs> 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 so a couple uh so a couple weird things uh, right, so two things and then the third thing is uh more more directly ominous. Uh but also kind of like a nice little turnaround. Of uh, third the third thing happened to Helen Robinson, Tom, oh, yeah. Tom's widow. She starts working for uh Link D's, who as we know is a literally a vocal supporter of Tom Robinson. Like yes. I just want everybody to know <laughs> that Tom's cool. <laughs> it's like, hey Link, shut up, man. We're in the we're in the court. But yeah, he loved Tom Robinson from the start. Um and so he's trying to give Helen a a job at his place. Helen has to walk by the Yules to go to the place. Uh and it was they they chunk at her. <laughs> um They quote unquote chunk at her. I I underline that. It's such a funny way. What that what does that mean? Yelling. I think it's probably a lot of vicious words, um, and then maybe even like throwing dirt at her, or like it. a soup that's got a lot of uh, like a really uh, hearty soup. Maybe it's kidding. a very hearty soup. <laughs> no Chunky. wrong answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a hearty soup, or uh, <laughs> anyone else have any ideas? I want to be a teacher again, just so I could say, yeah, no wrong answers, and then <laughs> even though I'm clearly saying it's the wrong answer, no. Ooh. I mean, don't write your essay about that. Just <laughs> be like 30 and sarcastic instead of being young and uh, idealistic. I'm in. Yeah. Just be the mean teacher. Yeah. Chunky soup. Ugh. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Great job, Tyler. Yeah. Real genius move, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> I know you're so cool outside of you, <laughs> and you won't let me come to your guys' parties. <laughs> but I don't want to go because you're so stupid, How do you Tyler. Go? Even though you're, you're cool Brooklyn teenagers, that's probably awesome, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're probably having better parties than I am. <laughs> For sure they are. <laughs> probably no cooler people. Um, well, like, why is Spike Jones at this high school party? Yeah, they're probably all like, Instagram influencers. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here. Anywho. Uh, yeah, so Link uh, is, is upset with this harassment of hell. I assume it's some sort of harassment, the chunking, the being yeah, chunked it, at. No one wants to be chunked at on their way to work. No, Ch- if you came home and you're like, I was like, how was your day? You're like, oh, I got chunked at. Chunked at. like. Not good. <laughs> like, I would have chunked them first. Uh, so, Link D's uh, <laughs> gets all mad about Helen, and he walks her home. Yeah. And he just yells at the Yule's house, Yule! I say, Yule! I know everyone has to want to use in there laying on the floor. Now, hear me, Bob Yule. If I hear one more peep out of my girl, Helen, about not being able to walk this road, I'll have you in jail before sundown. Mr. Link spat in the dust and walked home. So, after that, guess what? No more chunking. Yes. But, uh, nobody chunked at her, but when she was a few yards beyond the Yule house, she looked around and saw Mr. Yule walking behind her. Oh, yeah, he did follow her home. Yeah. Yeah, the chunking stopped, but uh, <laughs> it got weirder. <laughs> so, we know that following you home is not chunking. <laughs> so, it's not that. <laughs> we know what chunking is not. <laughs> and it's not being followed by Mr. Yule. <laughs> She turned and walked on, and Mr. Yule kept the same distance behind her until she reached Mr. Link D's house. All the way to the house, Helen said she heard a soft voice behind her crooning foul words. 
Thoroughly frightened, she telephoned Mr. Link at, at his store, which was not too far from his house. As Mr. Link came out of his store, he saw Mr. Ewell leaning on the fence. Mr. Ewell said, don't you look at me, Ms. Link Dees. I like I was dirt. I ain't jumped here. Uh, and then, once again, Mr. Link Dees uh, has his way of saying, first thing you could do, Ewell, is get your stinking carcass off my property. You're lean on it, and I can't afford fresh paint for it. So good burn. <laughs> yeah, solid burn. He's gross. Second thing you could do is stay away from my cook, or I'll have you up for assault. Uh, and Mr. Ewell, exposing his uh, elementary understanding of the law, yep. says, I ain't touched your LinkedIn's and ain't about to go with no N-word. Uh, and he says, you don't have to touch her. All you have to do is make her afraid, and if assault ain't enough to keep you locked up a while, I'll get you in on the ladies' law, so get out of my sight. If you don't think I mean it, just bother that girl again. Mr. Ewell evidently thought he meant it, but Helen reported no further trouble. What I like about that, is that Mr. Ewell's plan was like, I'm not touching you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Mom gets Mom uh, steps in, and that's Link D's saying, this lady's law, which is, I assume, like a rudimentary like you sexual make, harassment. You can't make women feel terrified. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, it's like, hey, awesome, 1930s, way to go. It's great. Yes. I mean, you have to call it the ladies' law. I'm sure there's men who, <laughs> men who are bothered as well, but, you know, I'm sure ladies more. Yeah. We'll worry about 1930s <laughs> yeah. ladies' laws later. You, you guys are killing it. You're killing it. Good job, 1930s. Uh, <clears throat> and then it's just kind of, uh, in general, Atticus gives, like, a, almost a little bit to, once again, Atticus is very understanding. He's floating four inches above the ground as he says this. Yes. I, I think th- I understand. Yes. <laughs> Literally, he says, I think I understand. Yeah. It might be because he knows in his heart that very few people in Maycomb really believed his and Mayella's yarns. He thought he'd be a hero, but all he got for his pain was, was okay, we'll convict this Negro, but get back to your dump. He had this. He had his fling with about everybody now, so he ought to be satisfied. He'll settle down when the weather changes. <laughs> when the weather changes. <laughs> when the we- That's all. Just wait for the weather to change. Atticus is, oh, it's kind of true. It's like, give it time. Atticus has got a good point of view of these things. He's been al- alive long enough to know. Like, oh, things don't last month much longer than a few months at a time. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's wise about human nature. He's wise about the nature of this community and what's happening with Yule, how Yule's been kind of like discredited, even though he, yeah, he had very little credit to begin with, but he's got, he's lost all of it now. Yeah. And he's Publicly. wise about like what time it, like does to people. Like he was like, "Hey, Jem's upset now, because he has to put this away for a few years." Yeah, and so it's like he has that sense of what time time heals all wounds or makes people forget. That's or, right. Uh, then he has an explanation for John Taylor's house, and this was kind of fun, just because this is what we've talked about. Like you don't know yeah. if Bobby will cut that screen. You don't know who did it, but I can guess. I proved him a liar, but John made him look like a fool. All the time you was on the stand, I couldn't dare look at John and keep a straight face. John looked at him as if you were a three-legged chicken or a square egg. Don't tell me judges don't try to prejudice juries. I love it. I like it because it's finally like taking some joy that Yule was made to look like an idiot. Like he's like Taylor really did get him. Like <laughs> you know, like Taylor really got him up there. Like I like that. We got no justice. Like Tom Robinson is dead, but we may, we ruined the life of a cruel man. Yeah, and Atticus, yeah, and Atticus is finally is like just calling it out. Like yeah, Taylor made him look like an idiot yes. like and that's hilarious that's yeah. like i li- like you know a li- just a little showing a little face showing a little bit of a personality atticus i'm know? like yeah that was great that we i mean we have to deal with the realities of southern racism and it was a heartbreak but uh we at least got to to really mock a man to his face yeah <laughs> 
if you're going to be yeah if you're going to be a moralist the you know the least you can do is enjoy is enjoy poking fun at the immoral yeah a enjoy little enjoy the embarrassment of the immoral enjoy uh so uh wait so this the next thing is someone asking if Atticus is a radical is that right yes Cecil Jacobs asked me one time if Atticus was a radical. When I asked Atticus, Atticus was so amused I was rather annoyed. But he said he wasn't laughing at me. He said, you tell Cecil I'm about as radical as Cotton Tom Heflin. Cotton Tom. So I looked this up, and at first I was confused uh, because uh, it's Cotton Tom Heflin is a virulent racist uh, House of Representatives uh, member and then senator. Yeah. Uh, He... Brad, one of his, he claimed one of his biggest career accomplishments is a weird incident, in which he punched a uh, black man off a bus and then shot him on the street. Um, and his Senate campaigns were often supported by the KKK. So I was really taken back by this, um, and why Atticus would be like, "Tell him I am like this guy." Right? <laughs> like what? Um. And then someone pointed out in the comments of like you could Google a lot of these questions and there's a, a there's a weird discussion board somewhere. Yeah. And someone's like, look, he's talking about radical means communist in this context. And so basically, someone going, hey, Atticus Finch, are you a communist? <laughs> and he goes, I'm about as much a communist as as this very conservative guy. Yeah, conservative. Right. Right. He's not a communist. He's like, not everything was race. Even like, even though that's what we see that yeah. like they. It was a whole complex world of economics and and politics wasn't just right. It was a big part of it, but uh, so that's what it means is that he's a he's conservative economically. Right. So yeah, he's he he laughs at that at that idea. I mean, he like believes in racial equality, but that's about as far. But as he's he goes. not voting for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of funny in this in this in this current socialisty climate to see uh, Atticus being like, I'm absolutely not a radical. I mean, that's kind of like it goes in cycles because like. The 30s, like, there was a lot of, like, socialist sentiment just because, yeah. like, I mean. Because of the planned economy that yeah. we, because <laughs> they started doing, like, a planned economy to get people, get people out of uh, yeah the depression. And now we're back at, like, the economy collapse and, yeah. like, we're clawing our way back and it's like, oh, like, it goes in cycles. Except this time, racism is cured. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Not a problem anymore. Not a problem at all. Um... We get a little update here on the Missionary Society next, which I like a lot. Um, and Alexandria was thriving. Miss Maudie must have silenced the whole Missionary Society at one blow. For Auntie again ruled the roost. So, and her snacks are better than ever. Um, so then again, this is another like tongue-in-cheek uh, narrator thing. Um, I learned more about the poor Maruna's social life from listening to Miss Merriweather. They had so little sense of family that the whole tribe was one big family. A child had as many fathers as there were men in the community and as many mothers as there were women. Jay Grimes Everett was doing his utmost to change this state of affairs and desperately needed our <laughs> prayers. <laughs> I love that line. So sarcastic. <laughs> oh, th- this society had built a utopia. <laughs> and it's such a Christian thing of like, no, they should do our way. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> They all cared for each other. They're loving each other and taking care of each other's every need. We have to help them. <laughs> That's a little sense of family they have. So funny. It's like it's it's like it's almost it feels like Jonathan Swift or something where it's like uh, just a hundred. Like, it's like a one eighty satire. Like it's like a hundred percent sarcastic. She's saying yeah. the exact opposite of what. Yeah. Um, which is kind of fun for Harper Lee. And it's such a fun little poke at like, like, 
uh, Christian kind of sension and yeah. There's more of that than I would have thought it, thought in this book. Like that that kind of satire and just like to like just you know biting, sarcastic, pointing out the flaws of this time period. I know like there's like the, the more the moralizing and the atticusing of like of like that's bad and we're good, but there's also like kind of a wry yeah satire part that I like a lot. Yeah, she really uh, satirizes uh, women's society and women's place. In yeah, women's towns. <laughs> yeah, they get theirs. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a fun little political joke. Firstly, people had removed from their store windows an automobile, the stickers that said, NRA, we do our part. I asked Atticus why, and he said it was because the National Recovery Act was dead. I asked who killed it. He said nine old men. So that's the Supreme Court ruling that it was unconstitutional. Yep. Uh, and the second change to make them since last year was not of one of national significance. They're going to have a Halloween party. Yeah. School's going to have a Halloween party. Because last year, the kids were left of their own devices, and they did a bad crime. They uh, did a prank. Yeah. A classic prank, prank. on yeah. deaf women. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, what they're calling? They Tootie call, and Fruity. Tootie and Fruity, which is not, not their real names. They're just what they call these old deaf ladies that are sisters. And they put all their, they put all the, their, uh, all of their furniture in the cellar. They're the only people in town who have a cellar. It's because they come from northern Alabama, where oh, professors yeah. and people of ill repute, <laughs> or was it people of no reputation? <laughs> basement people, people who have basements. For uh, God knows what. They were suspected of being Republicans, all that stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, this, so Republican here is at the party of Lincoln, like people who yeah. want the, who want everything. That was, the, who that was a, it's a northern party, Republicans. Northerns, yeah, yeah. So essentially, they're accused of being secret Yankees. I think they even call her Yankees, aside from their Yankee yeah, ways, who were both deaf. <laughs> uh, so I like it. Scout uh, says like I deny having having taken part in such a thing about the uh, so she did it <laughs> still still like 30 years later or whatever yeah. <laughs> refuses to admit she was here on this yeah thing. right um, which is I w- uh, it's too bad I, w- I would love to have seen you know seen it happening in the pages it would have been fun yeah but it's a very funny prank of so these children sneak into these deaf women's house and take all their furniture and put it in the cellar. Uh, the old women, out of pride, refused to. Uh, like the one lady was like, "I heard everything." She heard nothing. Nothing. Um, and hey. decides to blame Syrians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like okay, I'm kind of happy that it happened to them now. They're they're a little racist, obviously. Yeah, heard them drive a truck up to the door, stomped around like horses. They're in New Orleans by now. <laughs> so like, no, I had no idea. So like, children can't come in and take. The the hour and a half it must have taken to move all this furniture. <laughs> Stomped around like horses. Like you didn't hear anything. No. Dark they were, she said. Syrians. Syrians. <laughs> like just an old lady lying about where her furniture exactly. went. Exactly. And then the, they they get the hounds to look for the furniture and the hounds go from the front of the house or out of the back of the house where the cellar is. And they're like, Nope, hounds are broken. What's wrong, what's wrong <laughs> with these hounds? And then Mr. Tate's like, Oh, okay, here it is. Yeah, it's in the and then all I like that all the kids were wearing shoes just to not have any uh, trace of yeah. <laughs> of who did it. No footprints. So anyway, it's like yada yada yada. It's like one here's one more folksy yarn. We're like we're kind of we're running towards the end of our folksy yarn count here. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this she's kind of leading us towards a, a satisfied sleepiness. Yeah, of like up. Oh, Another amusing thing, but otherwise everything's all good. <laughs> You're right. It felt it, feel, it felt kind of epilogue-y until we get to the end of the next chapter. It felt kind of like we're winding down. 
Um, yes. And this is like, yeah, kind of the returning to those folksy yarns of the beginning. Um, this is one of them with the furniture being, you know, spirited away to the basement. Yes. Uh, and and then we find out that at this Halloween party at the school, Mrs. Grace Merriweather had composed an original pageant entitled Makeham County, Ad Astra Per Aspera. And I was to be a ham. And I was to be a ham. That's hilarious. Yes. She's going to ham it up. Yeah, so there's going to be a, a pageant about the, the town's cultural and agricultural products. Uh, and Scout would be dressed as a ham. And everyone and would... this is to, to prevent any more... Crimes. Hubbub, <laughs> yeah. No more pranking of old ladies. Yeah. So all this guy has to do is just come in from stage left when Miss Merriweather says pork. <laughs> yeah, she's going to come out when she says pork, and then they're going to sing, Make em County, Make em County, We Will I Be True to Thee. Uh, and as the grand finality, and Mrs. Merriweather would mount the stage with the state flag. So, like, that's, it's so funny that the idea of this woman is like, I had this great idea. I'm going to dress up the children. <laughs> yeah. And, like, this is, like, her own, like, she doesn't have to do this. Yeah. There's nothing compelling her to it's do so this. so lame. Yeah. Yeah, man. Why don't you do a DIY comedy show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, write, write a sketch. Come yeah, on. So, come on, let's do, like, a indie sketch show. Do something. Let's kind of satirize contemporary marketing. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be uh, dope. Yeah. So... It's a lot of details of like just like pleasant, quiet details of Scout having their, their ham costume made on a chicken wire. Yep. Uh, rehearsing. She's rehearsing at a home, she, like someone saying pork and her walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the whole like Atticus is like, I, I can't go to this thing. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, this is like, I'm always looking for the, you know, the human behind the Atticus, and this is it. I'm not going to go to that pageant. I just can't. I'm tired. Uh, and so. We'll spoil this. Uh, I guess we'll we'll jump ahead. But of course, there is the uh, the the assault coming up. Assault. The attempted murder. That's right. Uh, and this plays out like this beginning part plays out like a horror movie. Yeah, everything was gonna be nice and fine. Yes. Yeah. So they're in the they're in the 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 living room. They're laughing about Scout in her right. ham costume. Right. Uh, and then. This line. And Aunt Alexandra said she just had to get to bed early. She'd been decorating the stage all afternoon, was worn out. She stopped short in the middle of her sentence. She closed her mouth and opened it to say something, but no words came. What's the matter, Auntie? I asked. Oh, nothing, nothing, she said. Somebody just walked over my grave. So, like. She's got a bad feeling. Yeah. Right. Nothing. Nothing. I just feel I have a bad feeling about something. And it's like, oh, whatever. We're we're laughing about Scout's ham costume. ha, ha. Uh, and so at this point, did you have any sense of what was coming? No, honestly, I was surprised until like the, the middle of, I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised. Uh, so good job, Harper Lee. Honestly, I didn't know. I didn't see it coming. Yes. I thought that this felt like an epilogue to me. I was like, yeah. okay, we're going to get a couple more yarns. We're going to feel, see what they learned and then we're going to be done. Yeah. Um, no, it's so great. good work. It's yeah. like, oh, making a calm down and then one more jump scare. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I like, uh, so wait, so yeah, uh, the last <clears throat> paragraph here is like very foreboding. 
After that, it didn't matter whether they went or not. Jem said he would take me. Thus began our longest journey together. And it's like, what do you mean? You're going to what school. What do you mean? Yeah, it's like to walk to school. Dun, dun. You're in a ham costume. But essentially, it's just really established that no adults are going to be joining them. Right. It's like it's a little foreboding. It's going to be at night. No adults are joining them. They're walking down the street. This is small town Alabama. Yeah. What ba- what's bad going to happen? Done it a hundred times before. Yes. So... The weather wasn't usually warm in the last day of October. It's ho- it's even Halloween. Yeah. There was no moon, so it's so dark. Yeah. The streetlight on the corner cast sharp shadows on the Radley house. And here they are. They're going to talk about the Radley house again. Back at the Radleys. I was like, I was like, here we go. Let's get, I want, I wanted Boo Radley from the beginning to come it's back. Halloween. There's no moon. Yeah. They're talking about the Radley yeah. house. Bet nobody bothers them tonight, he said. Jim was carrying my ham costume rather awkwardly as it was hard to hold. I thought a gallon of him to do so. There is like a very sweet, this is a very sweet brother-sister chapter. Yeah. Of like, you could see Jem's maturing just to start paying off. Of like, oh, like Scout is starting to appreciate the older parts of Jem now. Yeah. Like it's not a, an annoying 12-year-old trying to be a, a twenty, like a 40-year-old man. It's like, oh, he's he's 14 and he cares. And I think they've both matured too. Like in this, in this uh, fourth or fifth paragraph here, um, uh, and you're scared of Haints, Gem teased. It's like, like they're calling back to this thing from which is now their childhood. Like it's yeah. been three years or so. When they were terrified. Yeah, we laughed. Haints, hot steams, incantations, secret signs had vanished with our years as mist with sunrise. What was that old thing Gem said? Angel bright, life and death, get off the road, don't suck my breath. <laughs> that's what you <laughs> say. Ah, oh, the old time. Yeah. And that's like what's so remarkable about the time span of this book is that we get to watch, like we watch them grow up. Like Yeah, it's a coming of age story. Yes, it's kind of like the same way like reading Harry Potter was of like, wow, this is like a person going through every stage of teenagerdom. Dude, we could do a Harry Potter pod. That'd be wild. That would be a lot. <laughs> that would be a lot. Yeah, and everyone's already. I'm read sure it there's so already been one. Yeah, but hey, no bad ideas in brainstorming. <laughs> Maybe we should brainstorm off pod. <laughs> <laughs> I want to record your initial reaction to ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Boone must not be at home. Listen. High above us in the darkness, the solitary mocker poured out his repertoire and blissful unawareness of the of whose tree he sat in, plunging from the shrill key key of the sunflower bird to the irascible quack of a blue jay, to the sad lament of poor Will, poor Will, poor Will. So a mockingbird. A mockingbird. So... Yeah, Boo Radley must not be home. So the joke is that he eats birds. Oh, yeah, he eats birds. Yeah, he eats them. So they feel safe because he's not there. Uh, we turned the corner. I tripped on a root growing in the road. Jim tried to help me, but all he did was drop my costume in the dust. I didn't fall, though, and soon we were on our way again. Yeah, so they're walking to school in the pitch black. It's so, like, uh, yeah, they can't see anything. Right. It's like, it's like we're, ha- you know, in a very harsh way, establishing that it's dark and it's hard to see. Yes. and it's Under like, the oak. But imagine that this chapter was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. And it's like, mm, <laughs> like we're just going to go down to the high school, have a nice time. And even like the red herring scare where it's like, whoa, what was that? Oh, it's just our friend Cecil. Mm. Cecil pops up. It's like, oh, I'm just trying to scare you. Yeah. This is 100% like a, a Hitchcock like type. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, well done. Yeah. Harper Lee does a good job again of like structuring like building like uh it's like you it's like it's like so it's almost rudimentary how like simplistic the structuring is yeah right? and like, like how powerful the effect is yeah of like 
rereading this, like I knew this was coming, but I was like, oh, I forgot how like good like the tension builds in this. She really is. Like, yeah, she's good at building and building on moments. And so this first moment is just to establish for the next thing. Yes. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's funny. Um you should have brought the flashlight, Jim. Didn't know it was this dark. Didn't look like it'd be this dark earlier in the evening. So cloudy, that's why. It'll hold off a while though. So it's established right there. It's pitch black. They yeah. can't see anything. Can't see anything. Someone leaped at us. God almighty, Jim yelled. <laughs> a circle of light burst in her faces and Cecil Jacobs jumped in glee behind it. Ha gotcha. Thought you'd be coming along this way. What are you doing way out here by yourself, boy? Ain't you scared of Boo Radley? Uh, he doesn't say anything. Uh, <laughs> had run safely there with his parents, hadn't seen us, and he had ventured down this far because he knew good and well we'd be coming along. He thought Mr. Finch would be with us, though. Shucks, ain't much put around the corner, said Jim. Who's scared to go around the corner? Uh, and then they're like, but in kid rules, he did scare us. He yeah. wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. That was his privilege. He could tell it all over the schoolhouse. That was his privilege. Say, I said, ain't you a cow tonight? Where's your costume? <clears throat> it's up behind the stage. Mrs. Merriweather says the pen ain't coming on for a while. You could put it yours back at the stage by Mind Scout, and we could go with the rest of them. And then Jim's like, great. I don't have to hang out with my sister all night. No, and, even, yeah. and even Scout's like, yeah, I, I'll hang out with Cecil. Right. Yeah, kids their age. They're happy. Um, I like, uh, so Jim, uh, Jim gives... Atticus, Atticus gave gave Jem thirty cents He's to like, give Scout. She's gonna forget this. Like. Yeah, here's thirty cents. You can do six things now. <laughs> See you later on. Nineteen thirty. Hey, six things. Six with thirty things. cents. Yeah. So they do. Yeah, like they're just so they go and do the Halloween stuff. How much money you got? So they have the same amount of money. So they go do the classic haunted house thing where you go touch some grapes and their eyeballs. You, you touch, touch some, some spaghetti. You, you know, this one is new to me. Uh, the, uh, it's a heart and it's a raw liver. So it's this like, is a different body part. <laughs> yeah. That one was like, what? Just get a cow heart. <laughs> yeah. So there's also just meat. Like you're not even that far off. You know? Yeah. What I mean? Um, it's all, it's the same amount of gross. Yeah, that one feels like really country. Yeah, like why not just make the brains brains and make the eyeballs <laughs> eyeballs then? <laughs> if you're if we're cutting open animals for this anyway, you know. Yeah, this is so silly. I thought it was a vegetarian affair. <laughs> the, you know what I mean? I didn't think there Look, was. Look, I uh, I said uh, it's like Morrissey goes to this. <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey, Morrissey's gonna put, gonna close the pageant that he refuses to go on. <laughs> he refuses to go on because of the liver. Yeah, he was wearing a big uh, <laughs> pork chop <laughs> costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's dressed in a giant corn, and he's like, I'm going to sing this charming man. <laughs> <laughs> this charming corn. We should do improv. What do you think? Ah, okay. Okay. Brainstorming. Just brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> this charming. I like that. This charming corn. Now it's in my head. <laughs> Going out tonight, <laughs> and I ain't got a vegetable to wear. <laughs> um... There's a little bit a moment about class, which is kind of interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. I wanted to bob for apples, but Cecil said it wasn't sanitary. His mother said he might catch something from everybody's heads having been in the same tub. Ain't anything around town now to catch, I protested. But Cecil said his mother said it was unsanitary to eat after folks. I later asked Aunt Alexandra about this, and she said people who held such views were usually climbers. Interesting. Like, they don't... Uh, first of all, they're usually correct, is the... I mean, like, first of all, the germ theory of disease is always true. Yes. Um, germs so are right. real. Yeah. Um, second of all, the, the class thing. So, like, what's your take? Uh, it's interesting that Anne Alexandra opposes climbers. 
Yeah, because she wants you to be established. Like she wants you to be where already from an old family and acting like you're an old family. She wants you to act like your class. Yeah, don't right because the yeah, like in, inherently the idea of like you know I'm afraid of mixing germs with these people is like I am better than they. I don't want to catch what they got. I want to be like, separate. No, you're not better than they are. We're better than they are. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's so because I always because like she was always so terrified of Scout going down. Yeah. But it's also f- interesting that she's op- opposed to people trying to go up. Well, she's, yeah. There's not, not not enough room for both of them up there, right? Yeah. I guess it's like you're you're a climber. It's like the idea of a climber. You're is a threat. Yeah. You're you're saying it's like they're trying to usurp your class. Yeah. yeah. They are they are a lower class. They're climbing. Yes. Uh, let's see here. So they're backstage. The band is uh, assembled below stage. Uh, backstage, see, so yeah, there's like adults in these all these costumes setting the scene, yeah. And then the pageant begins. Um, Maycomb County, this is Miss Merriweather announcing Ad Astra per Aspera. The bass drum boomed again. That means, said Miss Merriweather, translating for the rustic elements from the mud to the stars. She added, unnecessarily, it seemed to me, a pageant. <laughs> <laughs> As if she would be like, a radio play. A radio play. A novel. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I like that touch. She's so pretentious about her silliest thing. Yeah, yeah. She takes it very seriously. Yeah. And then even Cecil's like, reckon they wouldn't know what it was if she didn't tell them. Yeah. The whole town knows it, I breathed. The ca- but the country folks have come in. <laughs> What's so funny is like, they acknowledge many times, even Harper Lee acknowledges, like, well, some people don't know what pageants are. Yeah. And it's also kind of funny where it's like, the country folk came in to see this. <laughs> yeah. <good laughs> like, it was God. a, pe- like, that's, like, that's how, like, little the dude there is in these towns where it's like, oh, well, a neighbor is putting together some pork costumes. To Let's go down and see it. <laughs> kids, yeah. You gotta go see it. It's like, well, oh, man, I should be running... A, a show in the ni- in 1930s Maycomb, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really easy to draw. Step right up. Come see a man talk about depression. <laughs> <laughs> what ails him will make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see here. Uh, the bass drum went boom with every sentence. Mrs. Merriweather uttered. She chanted mournfully about Maycomb County being older than the state. There's a very funny anecdote about Colonel Maycomb. Yes. Who is a big idiot. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, he he was uh, bad with directions. He had a slender sense of direction and misplaced self-confidence. <laughs> <laughs> like what Mr. B- it's like Mr. Bean or something. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's trying to be like um, making fun of Makeham. I mean, obviously, because it's, that's who he's named after. But like Makeham is like very confident about what it represents, but also has no like it's always going in the wrong direction. Ooh, yeah, that's a hot take, of course. I, although, like, I'm I'm always saying like, why include this? Like, that's a great question to ask a group of kid a group of kids if you're a teacher. You know, I was like, why everything was on the cutting room floor? Every, everything is on the, on the chopping block when you're editing. It's like, why not cut this out? What's the point of this? How would you defend keeping this in? And uh, it's like make home, you know. Yes, uh, and it was a very funny anecdote of uh, uh, let's see here. But his first campaign was his orders were led to him by a friendly Indian runner were to move south. After consulting a tree to ascertain from its lichen which way was south and taking no lip from the subordinates who ventured to correct him, Colonel Maycomb set out on a purposeful journey to rout the enemy and entangle his troops so far northwest in the forest primeval that they were eventually rescued by settlers moving inland. <laughs> oh, so, tree, yeah. So, so it's classic just like comedy rube of like yes. 
that's South. And all, like, everyone's like, that's not South, sir. Like, uh, like, it's it's like stop like, being insubordinate. Are you insubordinate to me? <laughs> Whose side are you on? Me or the trees? <laughs> yeah, it's like a Simpsons joke of a guy. Yeah. It's, it's Grandpa Simpson going off in the wrong direction. Exactly. I just started watching The Simpsons. <laughs> I keep referencing, like, oh, this reminds me of The Simpsons. Of that show I watched all day today. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and then there's the funny joke. Uh, so she gave a 30-minute description of Colonel Makeham's exploits. <laughs> I discover, And then so Scout slowly falls asleep. Scout's bored, yeah. Yeah, so she's she misses her cue of pork. Yes, they said later that Mrs. Merriweather was putting her all into the grand finale. That she had crooned pork with a confidence born of pine trees <laughs> and butter beans entering on cue. <laughs> she waited a few seconds and called pork. When nothing materialized, she yelled pork. <laughs> <laughs> Just a woman yelling pork. Yeah, that's hilarious. So yeah, it's like I mean, Judge Taylor thought it was so funny he had to go out back and slap his knee. He had to leave <laughs> the room. Yeah, I must have heard her in my sleep with a band playing Dixie woke me, but when it was when Mrs. Merriwood triumphantly mounted the stage with the state flag that I chose to make my entrance. Chose is incorrect. I thought I'd better catch up with the rest of them. So it's like this lady, <laughs> it's like, done. She's doing the big finale, and then Pork now comes finally. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and it destroys Judge Taylor. And this is such a theater theater person moment. <clears throat> Mrs. Merriweather seemed to have a hit. Everybody was cheering so, but she called me backstage and told me I had ruined her pageant. Yeah, everyone was happy. <laughs> Miss Merriweather had a vision, and it was compromised. Yes. It's such an artist thing. And then this is a very sweet moment. Yeah, Jem. We're back to the, to the Jem-Scout relationship. Really came together. She made me feel awful, but when Jem came to fetch me, he was sympathetic. He said he couldn't see my costume much from where he was sitting. How he could tell I was feeling bad under my costume, I don't know, but he said I did all right. I just came in a little late. That was all. Jem was becoming almost as good as Atticus at making you feel right when things went wrong. And it's like, oh, that's very sweet. Yeah, he's becoming, yeah, he's like, he's Atticus's son and he's growing up to be an Atticus man. He's becoming a tender gentleman. Yeah. And it's very nice to see. Uh, almost. Not even Jem could make me go through that crowd. And he consented to wait backstage with me until the audience left. Yep. So she's like, I'm not, I'm not going out there. I embarrassed myself. And he's like, okay, we'll wait. We'll wait, and then they're gonna go. They're gonna walk home alone. But also, yes, they waited for everyone to, to leave. leave. So now they're alone. They even get offered a ride. You want to ride dun, home? Dun, 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 dun. Want to ride home? No, sir. Thank you. It'll just a little walk. It'll be fine. Whatever could happen. It's literally someone asked. It's not even identified. I who know. Or yeah. Just like dun, 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 dun. It's. You should have listened. You should have. Do you want to play a walk? <laughs> Do you want to walk home? <laughs> Be careful of Haints. Better still, tell the Haints to be careful of Scouts. Yeah, this so is another just, disembodied voice. Yeah. yeah, this is some extra that walked on the set that day, and, <laughs> and they're like, look, <laughs> you kind of look like the right person. Do you want to say a couple <laughs> lines? And he's like, my big break. I'm yeah. calling my mom. <laughs> <laughs> be careful of Haints. Yeah. Just a classic town joke. Bingo. Uh, yes, yeah, so they go out. It was still black dark. The remaining cars were parked on the other side of the building, and their headlights were a little help. Yeah, so again, it's very dark. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, so it's kind of difficult. I f- I found this passage a little bit difficult to sort of like picture. I mean, obviously it's dark, so it's like <laughs> the uh, like, but like the descriptions were kind of like difficult because like all, they can't see anything, so it's all just like rustling noises and temperature. Yes. Uh, so she's relying heavily on you remembering her describing the field in previous chapters. Yeah. Of of walking through it to get to school. The tree. 
the cold oak tree. Yep. Uh, there was a moment where that was stressed. But yeah, it's 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 very few because Scout herself is in pitch black and also inside a ham costume. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's not a lot that she's experiencing. Right. Uh, so yeah, for her, this is not a very dynamic scene. It's just her looking at the inside of her. Right. Costume. It's a lot of confusion. Yeah. It's like, that's what I'm understanding. Is like it seems very confusing. Uh, so she forgets her shoes. Uh, and then he's like, "Well, let's go get them." And then they turn around. The, the auditorium lights go off. So yeah. more like dun, 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 dun. literally the it's lights, the last lights in Maycomb go out. Classic. You can get them tomorrow. But tomorrow's Sunday. You get the janitor to let you in. Scout, nothing. So it's again, it's like they're just very scared. So Jem is Jem hears something. Yeah. And and uh, Scout's like, oh, he used to do this before when he would be thinking about mom. That's what he's doing again. Yeah. Uh, I wondered what he was thinking. He told me when he wanted to, probably when we got home. I felt his fingers press the top of my costume too hard. It seemed. I shook my head. Jim, you don't have to hush a minute, Scout. He said. Uh, minutes up. I said, "What you thinking about?" Minutes up. How cute. She's like, "That's been a minute." Tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, she's not really like she's not really scared as as he is. Yeah, thought I heard something. Stop a minute. We stopped. Hear anything? No. We had not. So all Scout is. She's in her and her brother's being weird. That's yeah. all she has. Yeah. We had not gone five paces before he made me stop again. Jim, are you trying to scare me? You know I'm too old. Be quiet, he said, and I knew he was not joking. Yeah. So there is real fear in Jim's voice. Something is going on. Uh, the night was still. I could hear his breath coming easily beside me. Occasionally there was a sun breeze that hit my bare legs, but it was all that remained of a promised windy night. This was the stillness before a thunderstorm. We listened. Heard an old dog just then, I said. It's not that, Jim answered. I heard it when we were walking along, but when we stop, I don't hear it. You hear my costume rustling. Oh, it's just Halloween got you. So Scout's the one, is the naysayer. Yes, she's trying to be rational. Yeah. I said it more to convince myself than Jim, for sure enough, as we began walking, I heard what he was talking about. It was not my costume. So now they're both scared. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. There right. is a noise behind them. More tension. Then Jim says, it's just old Cecil. He won't get us again. Let us don't think... Let us let's don't let him think we're hurrying. We slowed to a crawl, and that's just like, oh man, that's such a perfect setup. Yep. It's like, there is a murderer behind them, <sighs> and she's like, and they're like, let's not let old Cecil think we're scared of him. Yeah. Let's make ourselves more vulnerable to the murderer. <laughs> Masterful, masterfully done. Uh, I asked Jim how Cecil could follow us in the dark. Looked to me like he'd bump into us from behind. I can see you, Scout. Jim said, "How? I can't see you. Your fat streaks are showing." Miss Crenshaw painted them with some of that shiny stuff so they show up in the footlights. I could see you pretty well. And I expect Cecil can see you well enough to keep his distance. So there's just like the logistics of it. Yeah. It's this little thing. Like Scout had to be a ham so that she could have the silver fat streaks. Right. So they get, so what's coming can see him in the dark. Yeah. She clearly worked backwards or like you'd think she worked backwards from this event to try to like get it, get it, get them into that situation. Yeah, they wanted. She wanted to get him alone in the field. So you get him at the Halloween pageant with the sparkly ham with yes. the fat streaks. <laughs> yes, and now they're doing classic pranking on your friends. Yeah, where they're like, "Oh, Cecil's behind us. He's trying to scare us. Let's talk. Sh- let's talk shit about Cecil." Cecil Jacobs is a big wet hen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a I'm a rooster. <laughs> and the murderer is just like, "Who cares?" Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
I'll get him, Jim said. Hey, 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 answered the schoolhouse wall. It was unlike Cecil to hold out for so long. Something's wrong. Once he pulled a joke, he'd repeat it time and again. I respect Cecil for that. You play the hits, baby. We should have been left at it already. Jim signaled for me to stop again. He said softly, Scout, can you take that thing off? I think so, but I ain't got anything under it much. I've got your dress here. I can't get it on in the dark. Okay, he said. Never mind. Jim, are you afraid? And that's like a very vulnerable question. Yeah. And he says, no. I think we're almost to the tree now. A few yards from that, and we'll be to the road. We could see the street light then. So Jim's like, all right, we're close to being able to see light. We're almost there. Uh, Jim was talking in an unhurried, flat tone of his voice. I wonder how long he would try to keep the Cecil myth going. Then Scott goes, you reckon we ought to sing, Jim? Like to make just to make noise to like yeah, get just to be time. like peaceful and yeah. yeah no be real quiet again scout we had not increased our pace Jim knew as well as I that it was difficult to walk fast without stumping a toe tripping on stones and other inconveniences and I was barefooted maybe it was the wind rustling the trees but there wasn't any wind and there weren't any trees except the big oak yes yeah, so now they definitely hear something and then that's they, such a good line too yeah that's such a terrifying line maybe it was the rustling oh wait where is it. Trees, but Maybe it was a wind rustling the trees, but there wasn't any wind, and there weren't any trees. <laughs> That's such a scary right. line. The, all the, it's it's definitely there's like they go from like I, is there somebody to it's Cecil to no it's somebody. It's like, like something scary. Yeah. Our company shuffled and dragged his feet as if wearing heavy shoes. Whoever it was wore thick cotton pants. What I thought were trees rustling was a soft swish of cotton on cotton, weak weak with every step. I felt the sand go cold under my feet, and I knew we were near the big oak. Right, so that's how they can tell they're underneath the big oak because it's cold. Um, and then once they're under under there, they stop and listen. But the shuffle feet doesn't—they don't stop. This stuff they doesn't can, stop. Yeah, they can hear the thing coming and coming. Because it was before they would stop, and he would stop just yeah. to try not to be hurt. He was running, running toward us with no child steps. Now it's like there's no more sneaking. This guy's running at them. Yes. Jem says, Jem screams, "Run, Scout! Run! Run!" I took one giant step and found myself uh, reeling. My arms useless in the dark. I could not keep my balance. Jem, Jem, help me, Jem. Something crushed the chicken wire around me. Metal ripped on metal, and I fell to the ground and rolled as far as I could, floundering to escape my wire prison. From somewhere nearby came scuffling. Kicking sounds, sounds of shoes and flesh scraping dirt and roots. Someone rolled against me, and I felt Jem. He was up like lightning and pulling me with him, but though my head and shoulders were free, I was so entangled we didn't get very far. We were nearly to the road when I felt Jim's hand leave me, felt him jerk backwards to the ground. More scuffling, and there came a dull, crunching sound, and Jim screamed. I ran in the direction of Jim's screen and sank into the flabby male stomach. Its owner said, oof, and tried to catch my arms, but they were tightly pinioned. His, his stomach was soft, but his arms were like steel. He slowly squeezed the breath out of me. I could not move. Suddenly, he was jerked back towards, or backwards and flung on the ground, almost carrying me with him. I thought, Jem's up. One's mind works very slowly at times. Stunned, I stood there dumbly. The scuffling noises were dying. Someone wheezed, and the night was still again. Still but for a man, breathing heavily, breathing heavily and staggering. I thought he went to the tree and leaned against it. He coughed violently, a sobbing, bone-shaking cough. Jem? There was no answer but the man's heavy breathing. Jim? Jim didn't answer. The man began moving around as if searching for something. I heard him groan and pull something heavy along the ground. It was slowly coming to me that there was now four people under the tree. Right. She thinks she hears Atticus under the tree. Atticus? Atticus. Um, 
The man was walking heavily and unsteadily toward the road. I went to where I thought he had been and felt frantically on the ground, reaching out with my toes. Presently, I touched someone. Jim? My toes touched trousers, a belt buckle, buttons, something I could not identify, a collar, and a face. A prickly stubble on the face told me it was not Jim's. I smelled stale whiskey. <laughs> so there's a body on the ground <coughs> of a man who smells like whiskey. Yeah. I made my way along in what I thought was the direction of the road. I was not sure because I had been turned around so many times, but I found it and looked down the street. Light. A man was passing under it. The man was walking with staccato steps of someone carrying a load too heavy for him. He was going around the corner. He was carrying Jim. Jim's arm was dangling crazily in front of him. Yeah, so now it's over. At this point, I remembered, oh, yeah, the first sentence of this book is, this is a story about Jim breaking his arm. Yes. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd totally forgotten that. <laughs> it took 1,000 words or 100,000 <laughs> words to get there. <laughs> When he was nearly 13, my brother Jim got his arm badly broken at the elbow. Yeah. That's the first, first sentence of the novel. And I had totally forgotten and I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> this is really just a oh, this is really just a story about a person breaking their arm." And, and then the, yeah, there's some racism stuff happening also. Sure. Yeah. And we were talking about it before but it's like it's like, yeah, like, well, how'd you break your arm? It's like, well, a uh, a crazy <laughs> hick uh tackled me in the field. Like, why, why? would a, why would a crazy hick do that? Well, uh, my dad uh, was the defending attorney in a court case involving a false accusation of assaulting his daughter. Why was there a false accusation? Well, racism <laughs> exists. Why? Well, America, <laughs> slavery. Uh, the town is like this. Yeah, yeah, right. So, like, in a, in a funny way, all of that is ne- all of this was necessary to explain the breaking of the arm, but it's also like. Turns out, this is all one huge folksy yarn the whole time. One yarn about breaking your arm. The call is coming from inside the yarn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... But it's like, that's like good... You call your shot, you just throw it in what seems like a meaningless detail, and it's like, oh, nope, I'm going to make this V valuable as hell. Huge callback, right. So someone's carrying Jem back. They're back in the house. They get back in the house, right? Yeah, um... Uh, yeah, like it's basically like you feel disoriented even reading it because mm. like they're disoriented. So it's like basically like you get no no information that's like necessary until you're in the house with an Alexandria and Scout's there and Scout's asking asking about Jem. Yes. Uh, so Atticus' voice came Charlie from Jem's room. Where Scout? Here she is. I'm all right, Auntie. You better call. They call a doctor, um, and then Atticus is there. Atticus calls Heck Tate. Um, tells uh, Heck to look out for uh, the attacker. Um, this is like really. Uh, he goes. Uh, this is this is the most bold. Or like we see Heck Atticus Finch. Someone's been after my children. Jem's hurt. Between here and the schoolhouse, I can't leave my boy. Run out there for me, please, and see if he's still around. Doubt if you'll find him now, but I'd like to see him if you do. And it's <laughs> that's yeah right. He's like, I'm gonna. Beat up this man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this, yeah. This is as cl- this is as close to like a legitimate threat as we see Atticus do to Bob Yule. Yeah, Ad- yeah, Atticus Finch of I wish Bob Yule wouldn't chew tobacco. Atticus Finch, like yes. the uh, the pacifist. Oh uh, yeah, and he's like, someone attacked my children. I'm gonna kill them. <laughs> I'd like to see him. Yeah, yeah. I would like, like to see him. Not like arrest him and have due process of law like Atticus Finch style. It's like I'd like to see him. I'd like to see this man. Yeah, have him stop by. <laughs> uh. Uh, let's see. Thanks, Atticus heck. is Jem dead. That scout is very concerned about that. Yeah, no scout. Look after her. Sister. And then, yeah, she asks again. It's like, no, he's unconscious. He's not. And then the doctor comes. Uh, the doctor is so funny. 
I, I really admire the, yeah. the doctor. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of doctors do that. They kind of make they add levity because they see that this is there every day. That's, anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, another child's been attacked by a, <laughs> a maniacal racist. I was oh. hoping, I was hoping to just catch the pageant and head out home, but I have to. Another one of these calls where a crazy man attacks a child because of centuries of inborn racism. Oh man, uh, I gotta tell the wife I'll be home late. Oh boy, oh boy, she's gonna be on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Always on my ass. You knew I was a doctor when you <laughs> married me. <laughs> 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 so yeah, so what 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 do you like about the, about the doctor's uh, attitude? He's he just makes a lot of funny jokes. But real quick, there's this moment where Auntie brought me my overalls, right. put these on, darling. She said, "Handing me the garment she most despised." She most despised. So it, it, at this time, in this situation, who cares what you're wearing? Here's some overalls. You yes. like wearing these? Put them on. And it's it's good to say like it really took a while, but Anne Alexander starts to become like a a more sympathetic character towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Of like she cares very deeply about these children. Yeah, she is softening, and I think also they're starting to understand what her problems are. Like, it's yeah. like they get it, and they they can see around them to her genuine concern yeah. for them. To her tenderness yeah. for the family. Yeah, which is nice. Uh, he, already it starts already. He, uh, I knew Dr. Reynolds' step almost as well as my father's. He had brought Jim and me into the world. It had led us through every childhood disease known to man, including the time Jim fell out of the treehouse, and he had never lost her friendship. Dr. Reynolds said if we had been boil-prone, things would have been different, but we doubted it. So his joke is like, we really like you, Dr. Reynolds. Like, if you were covered in boils, I would not be here. Yeah, we would not be buddies, <laughs> but look, luckily that's not the case, is it? <laughs> like, oh, Dr. Reynolds. Right, Dr. Stuff, yeah. Uh, he came to the door and said, good Lord. He walked to him and said, you're still standing. Uh, he also knew that if I was in bad shape, so was Jim. After 10 forevers, that's such a good for After 10 cute, forevers, cute. Dr. Reynolds returned. Is Jem dead, I asked? Far from it. He's got a bump on the head just like yours and a broken arm, Scout. Look that way. No, don't touch your head. Roll your eyes. Now look over yonder. He's got a bad break so far as I can tell. Now it's in the elbow, like somebody tried to wring his arm off. Now look at me. Then he's not dead? No, Dr. Reynolds got to his feet. We can't do much tonight except try to make him as comfortable as we can. Uh, we'll have to to x-ray his arm. Looks like he'll be wearing his arm way out to the side for a while. Don't worry, though. He'll be as good as new. Boys' age bounce. That's a fun little doctor yeah, joke. They bounce. Uh, you don't feel broke anywhere, do you? Dr. Reynolds' small joke made me smile. Then you don't think he's dead, then. <laughs> and This is just cl- classic adult. This doctor sarcasm. Now, I may be wrong, of course, but I think he's very alive. Shows <laughs> all the symptoms of it. <laughs> yeah, of life, yeah. Go have a look at him, and when I come back, we'll get together and decide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at your brother. You decide if he's alive or not. And I don't we'll, know. We'll compare notes. <laughs> I'm only a doctor. Yeah. Very cute doctor stuff. Uh, and then so Dr. Uh, Hectate's boot was not. His heavy boost punished the porch, and he opened the door awkwardly. But he said the same thing Dr. Reynolds said when he came in. You all right, Scout? He added. Yes, sir. I'm going in to see Jim. Atticus and them's in there. I'll go with you. So they go into Jim's room where people are gathered around. Yep. Yep. People are around. So he's out. Yeah, Jem's out. Uh, Atticus says he can't hear his scout. He's out like a light. He's coming around, but Dr. Reynolds put him out again. Yes, sir, I retreated. So in Jem's room, Aunt Alexandria is sitting there. The man who brought Jem in was standing in the corner, leaning against a wall. He was some countryman I did not know. He had probably been at the pageant, and he was in the vicinity when it happened. He must have heard our screams and come running. Oh, boy. Oh, it's Boo. Uh-oh. It's Boo Radley, baby. Hey, boo. <laughs> <laughs> So this character that had been developed 
as a myth for oh, so yeah. long is now standing in the corner and Scout doesn't even s- the know who he is. classic literary device of Deus Ex Boo Boo Radley. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. He in here. And Scout doesn't even recognize him. No. But we all know. Yeah. We know it's Boo. Yeah, who else would be looking over the field by the Radley house? Who else likes to stand awkwardly in corners? You know you know it's Boo Radley. Who also can see in the dark? <laughs> <laughs> who spends his whole life in the dark staring out at the yeah, darkness? Yeah, he's been training for this. He was born in the darkness. Yes. Uh, let's see here. His hat was in his hand. Mr. Hack stood in the doorway and flashbulbs. He was in his working clothes. Come in, Heck. Did you find anything? I can't conceive of anyone low down enough to do a thing like this, but I hope you found him. Mr. Tate sniffed. Uh, at, uh, then, then he looked around the room. Sit down, Mr. Finch, he said pleasantly. He's Let's being all, all awkward, yeah. Yeah. Let's all sit down. Have that chair, heck. I'll get another one from the living room. Uh, so they all sit down except for the guy in the corner, right? Atticus knew the ways. So had not brought a chair Scout's for the man like, in the this corner. This is weird. Why is this guy, he doesn't get a chair? He's not sitting down? Yeah. Atticus knew the ways of country people far better than I. Some of his rural clients would park their long-eared steeds under the chinaberry trees in the backyard, and Atticus would often keep appointments on the back steps. She figured it's the same kind of thing. Like, oh, he so, just yeah. knows what people country want. Country people don't like to sit. Yeah, people don't like that. Uh, so Tate is like kind of beating around the bush, right? Yeah. Mr. Finch, tell you what I found. I found a little girl's dress. It's out there in my car. That your dress scout? Yes, sir. If it's pink one with smocking, I said. Mr. Tate was behaving as if you were on the witness stand. Yes. He liked to tell things his own way, untrammeled by state or defense, and sometimes it took him a while. I found some funny-looking pieces of muddy-colored cloth. That's my costume, Mr. Tate. Mr. Tate ran his hands on his thighs. He rubbed his left arm and investigated Jem's ma- mantelpiece. Then he seemed to be interested in the fireplace. His fingers sought his long nose. So he's like, he's fidgeting and looking. Yeah. He can't do it. What is it, Heck? Said Atticus. Bob Ewell's lying on the ground under that tree down yonder with a kitchen knife stuck up under his ribs. He's dead, Mr. Finch. Whoa. Whoa. Boo Radley killed Bob Ewell for trying to kill Jem and Scout. Yep. So, damn. So Boo Radley, so good thing they put that gum in the tree. Is that the moral of the story? <laughs> oh, did just or whatever they, they did. Uh, that they uh, kept bothering that man because they wanted to see him. Yeah, they it clearly charmed him very much. Yes, because he, he started to really care about these children, and then he saw them in trouble, and he's like, "Time to leave my house." The only thing he could think to leave the house for was to save these children he liked. Yeah, yeah. Um. And, uh, oh, as we were discussing, the thing uh, from last episode where Bob Ewell was talking about Tom Rob When Tom Robinson died, Bob Ewell was like, two more to go. Just about two more to go. And uh, I didn't know what he was talking about. And then uh, Kevin was like, I didn't want to spoil it, but it's Jevin Scout. Yes. Yeah, it's Jevin Scout. He was Scout. planning to kill them. Clearly he was. Cause they, really, they really set it up that, because like, he waited for them to go home. Then uh, like, it was all like, oh, now is the time to strike. Because, um, like... Harper Lee even sets it up of like, oh, he bothers Atticus a little right. bit. He bothers Judge Taylor. Uh, Tom's you, wife. You're supposed to be eased into a sense of comfort of like, oh, no, these kids will just have the rest of their uh, yes. childhood. And yes. They had a weird day. And you forget like, oh, yeah, I forgot he broke his arm. What was that? Yeah. Well, whatever. I totally forgot. Yep. It's such this, Yeah, this chapter was like a lesson in literary tension. Yes. Really well done. Lull you into a false sense of comfort. Yeah. And then just freaking bring the hammer, oh, baby. Beautiful. Ah. Uh, so so much 
fun, like a true climax of like, oh, yeah. you think this climax, and then it's like, nope, this is the climax. Yeah, real climax. Yeah, yeah, the false climax, real climax. So yeah, I don't know how they're gonna. I'm excited to see how they're gonna deal with it. I still am like up to date with the. I, we have three chapters to go. I still haven't read them. Uh, very interested in to see how they deal with Boo Radley, how they deal with Bobby Ewell being dead, how Atticus is gonna deal with this, right? To like yes, it's a very complicated moral question. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you da- I know Atticus is gonna be like, oh, it's just really sad that Bobby Ewell had to die. I'm, you know, that's I know that's gonna happen because Atticus loves to moralize, which is nice. That's very much in his character. Go for it, Atticus. Do you? Yeah, I, I, I genuinely don't remember what happens after this. Oh, nice. So I'm flying in the dark too. But oh. yeah, it's. I mean, what what a great two like. That's like if it, she for me it's it pulled it off of like wow that was remarkable. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what surprising. a ride! Yeah, what surprising. a slow build to a inc- like intense action packed last chapter. Yeah. Like and earned every second of that fear. Oh man. That was yeah, it's great. It's so scary. It's like, oh, there is a con- like can you imagine like being these children and a country hick is like following you in the dark oh. because of your dad defending uh a black man because yes. uh, you know his name was ruined because he was a racist. Yeah. Uh so it's, it's such, he's such a he's such a villain too. So like no one said he's di- he's dead. He's been such a villain the whole time. Yeah. It's it's just like, hey, this is like <clears throat> I mean as what like Atticus is like, hey, the children, you need to give them a chance. Uh, and then once they're adults, it's like, sorry, like you are, you own your actions. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, even then, he's like, you know, they are the way they are. He gives them benefit of doubt, but um, yeah, no sympathy. For At him. no point are you like, oh, this Bob Yule, like, like he's not like because they they do show like the Cunninghams who are like, we work very hard within our station. It's like, not about class. Yeah. Yes, it's this, about these people are terrible. Your heart. <laughs> yeah, it's about being a bad guy. Um. But Atticus will, mark my words, say something nice about Bob Yule or something like sort of like empathetic about Bob Yule and his status, his station, his his place in life, something. Okay. I bet. Um, right. We have one more episode left. We're going to do the last three yeah. one, in one episode, and then we'll watch the movie. Yeah, baby. I love to watch movies. It's going to be sick. I am excited to see this movie. It's Me like too. I've never seen it, and it's like, man, this is a very cinematic book. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll uh, we'll land this plane uh, next week. Yeah. Check us out. I'm on Instagram, Ha Hartnet. I think some people have followed me based on this podcast. I get a couple people who I have no idea who they are, so I assume it's that. Yeah. Uh, thanks. And uh, okgatsbypod at gmail.com. Is yep. that right? If you have any uh, questions or We'd love to hear from you. And rate and review. Tell your friends. Yeah, please. Thank you guys so much. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.